wave and gives me a thumb up. It's the thumbs up, so that's good. Back in our study in Philippians, we'll be in chapter 4 again today. Book of Philippians in chapter 4. As all of you know, uh, Carol and I are supported financially by a number of local churches located in several different states. We have a supporting church in Indiana whose pastor wound up in the hospital with some heart issues uh, a couple of months ago, and he had five or six stents put in, I believe about six weeks ago. He was in the hospital for several days, but shortly after his discharge, he began to bleed internally, and the doctors could not find the precise location and thus could not fix the problem. He wound up in a large research hospital in Indianapolis where they had the equipment to do more testing, uh, but they couldn't get to the root of the problem either. His hemoglobin, his hemoglobin kept dropping from internal bleeding, uh, requiring blood transfusion after blood transfusion with, with test after test after test, and they could never find the precise location of the bleed. But in the mercy of God, the bleed has apparently finally stopped. His hemoglobin has stayed up. He was released from the hospital a couple of days ago. His daughter's been doing regular updates on their church's Facebook page, and she has had just a stellar testimony for the Lord through all of this. And I would like to read to you her post from a couple of days ago. Her name is Molly. Her dad is the pastor at that church. This is what she said. And I'll explain to you why I'm going to read this to you if you don't figure it out by the time I get to the end here. He's going home. 37 days overall in the hospital, including the bypass surgeries. 27 days since the bleed started. In that 27 days, he has had 100 plus hemoglobin draws. 22 units of blood, one echocardiogram, two endoscopies, or endoscopies, two push enteroscopies, one single balloon enteroscopy, one colonoscopy, one heparin challenge where they tried to make the bleed start so they could see if they could find it. That didn't work either. Two pill cams where you swallow a, a pill that's a camera and it goes all the way through your digestive system, multiple CTs and x-rays, and at least 18 times he has heard I'm sorry, Mr. Bond, we couldn't find the bleed. But in the past 27 days, we've felt God's presence more than ever before. Our faith has increased like never before. We've felt peace that passes all understanding. We've known God more through my dad's suffering than we ever could have without it. We've cried tears longing for him to be healed, but we've also cried a lot of tears praising God for what he has done. None of our hearts are the same as they were a month ago. Praise God for his work in our lives. His hemoglobin stayed stable overnight. He's had no symptoms indicating the bleed has restarted. We will monitor him closely at home. And just as a short uh, upgrade or update, uh, we heard from yesterday that he put on regular clothes for the first time in 63 days. Feeling a little better. But she said, we are all a little nervous about his going home, but we know God is going to keep us on our knees praying this bleed is healed and does not restart. We know that is right where God wants us, dependent on him. In the meantime, praise God. We have seen the goodness of the Lord and will forever testify of his wondrous love and all that he has done for my dad and our family. 
Our eyes are fixed on Jesus. We know he will sustain us whether the bleed starts back up or not. We know he is sovereign and works all things for our good and his glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Carol read this to me in the car as we were traveling for Thanksgiving, and I said to her, well, there's my opening illustration for the Sunday sermon. And you say, why? Well, because it is, it is a perfect illustration of spiritual stability. That's what we've been talking about here from the book of Philippians in chapter 4, spiritual stability. After all of the medical issues, after all of the failures of modern medicine to find an internal bleed, 18 times over 27 days, could not find it. 22 units of blood over 27 days. I'm sure he's seen enough needles to last him the rest of his life. And, and they, they praise God for his goodness and his love and his work in their hearts. As she says, we've seen the goodness of the Lord and will forever testify of his wondrous love and all that he has done for my dad and our family. Our eyes stay fixed on Jesus. We know he will sustain us whether the bleed starts back up or not. We know he is sovereign and works all things for our good and his glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I just read that and I say that is so fantastic. And you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's not that they haven't been on an emotional roller coaster for a month. It's not that they haven't wept over and over again for a variety of reasons. It's that they continue to trust God when they have no answers. They continue to trust God through through letdown after letdown after letdown. This overwhelming medical experience did not blow them away spiritually. No bitterness, no anger, no charges of unfairness toward God, no question, why are you doing this to us, Lord? Just, Just phrases like, We've seen the goodness of the Lord. We will forever testify of his wondrous love. We know he will sustain us regardless of the outcome. We know God is sovereign and works all things for his good and our glory, for our good and his glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, and that, brothers and sisters, that is spiritual stability. And when the apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church, stand fast in the Lord, my beloved, that is exactly what he's talking about. Last week we read a number of scriptures challenging us to be brave and have courage and don't be afraid and trust God and live for Him. Don't be blown about by every fad and trend that comes along. Trust the promises of God. Be stable. Be consistent in your spiritual life. Get off the spiritual roller coaster and and plant your feet in gospel truth and stand up for the Lord Jesus. And we just saw those spiritual values in action in this letter from this young lady named Molly. I think we all wish our faith were stronger than it is. We all, we all want to be firm and consistent and steadfast. And as I mentioned to you last week, if you don't care about being spiritually consistent, then I would urge you to sincerely check up on your salvation because every person who's been truly redeemed by the grace of God should have a desire to live a stable, consistent, steadfast life for the Lord. Even though we know we aren't always where we need to be, we should certainly have a desire to develop stability in our lives for the Lord. We should all desire to be strong in the Lord. I don't know any, any true believer who wants to be knocked over by troubles and trials and problems in life. We don't want to be defeated by temptation. We don't want the world, the flesh, and the devil to trip us up and cause us to fall. 
I think we would all like to stand firm and be strong, but we also have to recognize it isn't going to be easy because we are in a spiritual war. We are in a conflict with the enemies of our souls. Some followers of Jesus, as we spoke of last week, they appear to be very stable. Others appear to be very unstable. And in between, there's all kinds of different degrees of stability. Some people collapse under trials. They crash in times of temptation. Other people endure trials and temptations faithfully. Some people always seem to be defeated. Others always seem to be living faithfully in victory. Well, why is that? Uh, because it's a spiritual growth issue. We, we can learn to be stable. We don't come to faith in Christ and then turn into the Apostle Paul in two weeks or even two years. And that actually should be very encouraging to you. It, it should give you hope because you may feel like today you're not particularly strong in the faith. Maybe you feel a little weak in the faith. Maybe you feel spiritually unstable. But, but, but you can learn uh, to, to, to be stable. You, you can learn it and you can live it. So be encouraged. Let's read our passage here in Philippians chapter 4. We'll look at these first nine verses and then we'll come back and take a couple as we've been doing each week. Philippians 4 verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Last week we looked at the first principle in developing spiritual stability, and that was that we need to pursue peace in our relationships. Our horizontal relationships with people affect our vertical relationship with God. Standing firm in the Lord requires that we pursue peace in our relationship because unresolved conflict always leads to instability. Our attitudes are affected, our spirits become negative, the door opens to bitterness and hostility, and we become vulnerable to satanic attacks. The second principle, if we're going to stand firm in the Lord, which will be, which we'll take a look at today, is to cultivate a spirit of joy. We're just going to look at verse 4 and verse 5 today. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So first thing we must do, or the second principle, if we're going to stand firm in the Lord, is to cultivate 
a spirit of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And notice that Paul writes rejoice in the Lord, not in your circumstances. You can't always rejoice in your circumstances, but you can always rejoice in the Lord and in your relationship with him. There, there is a, that is a joy that no circumstance can touch, bad or good. As long as I am in tune with the Lord and I recognize what he's done for me in the past and what he's doing for me in the present and what he has planned to do for me in the future, I can find a joy there. By the way, that is a command. Another one of those nine imperatives in these nine verses that we've talked about. I have reminded you a few times throughout our study that the whole underlying theme of this letter is joy. The word joy appears six times in the letter. The word rejoice appears ten times. Uh, there is joy in fellowship with other believers and joy in ministry to other believers and joy in unity with other believers and joy in sacrifice for the cause of Christ and joy in our relationship with Jesus and joy in our spiritual growth as we reach for Christ-likeness. Joy is all over this, this, this little short letter. And joy is not primarily an emotion. We often think of it that way. If a person's joyful, they're happy, they're light, they're smiling, they're laughing. But joy is not, biblically speaking, is not primarily an emotion. It's, it, it's a state of mind. It, it, it is a way of thinking. Biblical joy is a sense of contentment and peace regardless of the outer circumstances. It's being satisfied with God and satisfied with what God is doing with me and with my life. So joy begins in the mind, which is why Paul also mentions the mind five times in this letter. He talks about being of one mind, that is one focus, one priority, one goal. Being of the same mind, thinking the same way that other mature believers think. Having the mind of Christ, an attitude of submission and dedication and commitment. And, and if we have that kind of mindset, that kind of thinking, then we also have a secure mind. We're going to have a mind that's free from worry, which will pursue that thought further in our future studies. I've hammered away at this thought numerous times with you that spiritual battle takes place in the mind. We don't win the battle by trying to change the way we feel. We win the battle by changing the way that we think. We don't face our problems biblically by saying, how do I feel about this? But rather, what do I believe about this? What do I know to be true from God's word? What should I be thinking about my circumstances? And remember this life principle we say so often. Some of you, once I started, can finish the sentence easily for me. You can't change your life until you change your choices. And don't forget the second half of the sentence. You won't change your choices until you change your thinking. You can't change your life until you change your choices. And you won't change your choices until you change your thinking. You see, joy is a state of mind. And as long as I am in tune with the Lord and I recognize what he's done for me in the past and what he's doing for me in the present, and what he has planned to do for me in the future, I can find a joy there. That, that, that's a joy that no circumstance can touch. So spiritual stability requires that we pursue peace in our relationships. It requires that we cultivate a spirit of joy. <clears throat> 
Stable people are people who pursue peace in their relationships and bring peace to situations and who are a stabilizing influence in trouble. That these spiritually stable are those also who in the ebb and flow of life, in the ups and downs of circumstances in life, they are able to maintain joy in the Lord. An, an attitude, a, a mindset of joy is at the heart of stability, spiritual stability. So let's go to the third principle. Develop gracious humility. <clears throat> Develop gracious humility. The Greek word in, in verse 5, gentleness, translated gentleness, it's, it's a very difficult word to express in one English word. Uh, so are many English different translations that we have today. They use a variety of words to try to express these thoughts in one word. Uh, gentleness, as we have here in our text, moderation, forbearance, generosity, magnanimity, uh, charity, mercy, contentment, others. Uh, and I'm certainly no Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but based on my on my reading and study of the word, I like the phrase used by some commentators. Uh, they, use the, they use two words, sweet reasonableness or gracious humility. I like those phrases, a sweet reasonableness or a gracious humility, meaning you are responsive to an appeal or a request. You are gentle when someone approaches you with their struggles. You are merciful toward the faults of others. You have goodwill toward those whose flaws are showing. Uh, you are not easily offended. You are able to quietly endure unkindness from others without retaliating. And if you add all that up, we have that, that great phrase, gracious humility or sweet reasonableness. Let your gracious humility be known to all men, Paul says. Certainly in sweet reasonableness, there's grace. In big-heartedness, there's grace. In goodwill, there's grace. In forbearance, there's grace. Certainly in friendliness and mercy, you're demonstrating graciousness. And that phrase, gracious humility, I believe encompasses what Paul is speaking of. But there, there's another element to it, another side to this, when he says, let your gracious humility be known to all men. That is this, in, in, in the graciousness of humility, which basically says, you have mistreated me, you may have misjudged me, you may have misrepresented me, but I accept that with gracious humility. And it, it, isn't that exactly what the grace of God is like? God says, you may have hated me, you may have been my enemies, you may have shaken your fist in my face, you may have cursed me and taken my name in vain 50 times a day. You may have misjudged me and misrepresented me. You may have done all of that. And God says, I still reach out to you in love. I still accept you when you repent. You see, if we can develop that kind of an attitude, we will be a spiritually stable person. Spiritual stability belongs to those who are humbly gracious. So Paul says, let your humble graciousness or your gracious humility be known to all men. You don't demand your rights. You are sweetly reasonable. So the pathway to spiritual consistency, spiritual stability, pursue peace in your relationships, 
Cultivate a spiritual or a spirit of joy. Develop gracious humility. And then the fourth one that we'll deal with as we wind up today. Practice the presence of God. The last phrase of verse 5, he says, The Lord is at hand, meaning the Lord is near. That adjective that's used here can mean near in space or near in time. I can say the front row is near. That's near in space. I can say Monday is near. That's near in time. The word here can mean either one, and in this context maybe both, but I tend toward the idea of near in space. The Lord is nearby. And the reason why is so many other verses in Scripture that kind of deal with that. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 119, 151 says, You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Psalms 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Jeremiah 23.23 says, Am I a God who is near, says the Lord, and not a God far off? It's a rhetorical question. God is near, not far off. God goes on to say, Can anyone hide himself in secret places so that I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? Uh, the Lord is nearby, says the Apostle Paul. So, so don't be anxious. Don't be unstable. Don't waver. Don't collapse. Don't be paranoid. Don't panic. Understand that the Lord is nearby. Practice the presence of God. Recognize the truth of Scripture that the Lord is near to each one of us. So there's no reason to crash and burn spiritually unless we aren't trusting God. So you see, if we, if, we, if we imagine that God can't help us, then we are creating a God in our own minds who is not the true and living, all-powerful ruler of the universe. That God. If we, if we imagine God can't help us, then we have, have created a false God in our mind. And if we believe God could help us, but He won't, then we're questioning His character and His promises. Remember that great testimony of Molly that I just read to you a few minutes ago? In the past 27 days, we felt God's presence more than ever before. Our faith has increased like never before. We've had peace that passes all understanding. We've known God more through my dad's suffering than we ever could have without it. We've cried tears longing for him to be healed, but we've also cried a lot of tears praising God for what he's done. None of our hearts are the same as they were a month ago. Praise God for His work in our lives. We know we're, we're right where God wants us, dependent on Him. He says, we've seen the goodness of the Lord. and we'll, uh, I love the phrase. We have seen the goodness of the Lord and will forever testify of His wondrous love and all that He has done for my dad and our family. That sounds like it's straight out of one of King David's psalms. Our eyes stay fixed on Jesus. We know He will sustain us whether this bleed starts back up again or not. Because He is sovereign and He works all things for our good and His glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You want to live a life that's spiritually consistent, a life that's spiritually stable. We have to then pursue peace in our relationships. We have to cultivate a spirit of joy. It's something you can learn. We have to develop gracious humility. And we have to practice the presence of God. And if you will do that, you will be on the path 
to spiritual stability. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your continuing mercy to us. Lord, I just pray that you would help us uh, to, to practice your presence. May we pursue peace in our relationships. Help us, Lord, to live in a, with an attitude and a spirit of joy. May we develop gracious humility in our relationships with people. As the Apostle Paul said, let that be known to all men. May that be the way we treat everyone in our lives, from those within our home to those we work with to those we rub shoulders with in other areas of life. Lord, we want to be consistent. We want to be stable. We don't want the troubles and trials and problems of life to blow us away and knock us over. Help us, Lord, to do what is right and pleasing in your eyes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.